Hi, this is Maximilian Osinski, and you're listening to Talking Lasso. See, I believe in hope. I believe in belief. Honey, is that an ingredient or is that something you're just calling me right now? Ingredient. Shoot, I was kind of hoping it was the other one. How worried are you about the threat of relegation? Well, Lloyd, right now I'm mostly concerned with the definition of relegation. Congrats. You both just met a cool person. <laughs> on three. One, two, three. Come on, Richmond! Yo. Well, I can't hear you, Josh. I muted oh. on the software and I <laughs> I usually <laughs> mute on the hardware, so I, I confuse myself. That found that felt like going right back to working from home at the start of the pandemic. You're on mute, Josh. You're on mute. <laughs> I am not a cat. I promise I'm not a cat. <laughs> that was that was peak lockdown humor. <laughs> I promise I'm not a cat. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly what a cat would say. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing, Joey? I'm good. It feels very different. I'm back in the dark um, <laughs> after our lovely recording in the day. I've got bags under the eyes. I'm sat in the dark. Um, but, you know, I'm back to London weather and I guess you're back to, to not London weather. Uh, we're getting close, although it is warming up. So the, the London weather might be uh, a bygone era for this year, at least. <laughs> wow. Well, that would be nice if uh, if it was an era rather than all day, every day here. Um, anyway, Josh, <laughs> before we forget, as we always do, uh, I'm going to say that this episode of Talking Lasso contains spoilers for Ted Lasso seasons one, two, and three. But most importantly, Ted Lasso season three, episode eight, we will never have Paris. So that's out of the way. We've actually remembered to do the spoiler warning. Well done, us. I think we've got like three weeks in a row now. I think we might have to stop saying every time because we're getting close to a 50% ratio. We're, we're turned over a new leaf. We're, we're, we're podcasting, Josh. This is how it feels. <laughs> <laughs> um, Josh, how did you find this episode this week? Uh, a little infuriating, but I think in a way that not in the sense of like the storytelling was bad, more in the sense of like some character moments, which we will obviously be getting into. Um, but overall, I thought it was a pretty decent episode. Um, but it, it is a, an episode that is pushing us towards the finish line. I think more than anything, it didn't. It, it seemed to cover pretty quickly in the beginning that Richmond is on an upswing and people are about to hit weird. I say weird but um, like important moments in their lives within the show. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I described it to you as a carrier episode because, as you said, we're, we're kind of hurtling towards the season finale. We need some episodes that just kind of give us that that carrying moment to reach our final, final destination, not like the Final Destination movies. Um, <laughs> So Josh, we're gonna we're gonna do the same as we've done for the last few episodes because I think the flow works a lot better. It's, that way. it's been a good format for us, I think. But but I think we should preface this with: I don't think it's going to take us as long as the other episodes have because rather than six stories, this this episode mainly focused across four main themes. Right, so we've got Ted, Keeley, Nate, and the team. Yeah, thankfully no Rebecca psychic storyline this week, which I'm I'm all here for. Like I, I love this version of Rebecca that we got uh, for yeah. this week's episode, but it, the storyline with the psychic and everything has just been so weird. And I'm I'm just gonna be very happy when it's all said and done. Like whatever her 
her final arc ends up being that makes her happy. Hooray for happy Rebecca, but you could have done something a little different than have her have a psychic leader down a path. Let's let's not forget that Ted Lasso does not always end happy. We had the end of season one where they got relegated. Um, and I know that they had the positive kind of saying, oh, we'll come back and we'll fucking win the whole thing. But the relegation was still a, an unexpected downturn um, at the end of season one. So I don't, with this rumored, rumored to be the last episode, uh, last season of Ted Lasso, um, I, I can see things ending well, but I wouldn't rule out some some sad endings for some people. Sad endings or unfinished endings, because, um, yeah, they if this was, in fact, the final season, we would be seeing more advertising as Ted Lasso the final season. Uh, as far as we know, everyone in. Sorry. Do you think that that's the case? You you, you intend Usually, on, on feeling that this isn't the last season. I, I think it very well could be, but they might take like a, a two year break in between. Okay. Um, but the studios are usually pretty heavily invested in advertising to get that, like those uh, late subscriber pushes of like the final season. You can't miss it where this has just been Ted Lasso season three. Fair enough. Okay, cool. Um, I also, uh, as you know, I'll tell you about that at the end because it, it relates to our quiz. Um, so, Let's talk about some of the stories, Josh. Um, I think we should start with uh, Ted, if that's okay with you. I think that's a perfect place to start. Great. So Ted's story is all about Ted and his ex-wife. We've learned all about uh, Dr. Jacob, who we we hate um, because Ted doesn't like him. We've learned that uh, Ted's ex is is in a relationship with Dr. Jacob. and at the start of the episode, when when we see Richmond's kind of upturning form that that you spoke about earlier, the commentary team says everyone around Richmond must be happy, but the happiest man of all must be Ted Lasso. And we cut to him sitting in the pub, looking miserable, um, <laughs> kind of zoned. He's very out. melancholy. He is, yeah. But but he sat opposite. I can't. What I've, her name has slipped me. What is, is it? Michelle. What I've called Michelle. Michelle. Yes. Um, she sat opposite Michelle and Dr. Jacob. Um, and they are obviously visiting with Henry. And uh, they essentially say, look, you have Henry for a few days. We're going to take a surprise trip to Paris. And Ted takes this as Dr. Jacob is going to, going to propose to Michelle. And it's safe to say that he's not on board with it. <laughs> right. Correct. He is definitely not interested in this development, especially considering as far as we're aware, this is a relationship that's maybe a few months old. Like it's definitely not a year. No, if you map it against where we started with Henry on the at the very start of the season um, versus where we are now, which I, I would put us probably four, four, four or five months into the season um, in that time we've had. Michelle being completely single, Dr. Jacob coming on the scene, and now Ted worrying about them getting engaged. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Not a long time at all. Yeah, so maybe Dr. Jacob's a hopeless romantic, or maybe Ted's the hopeless romantic who would propose after 12 weeks of a relationship. Maybe. Works for some people. Yeah. Well, it took took me six years, so uh, I'm not, not the man to speak to. 
<laughs> I was a little um, less than that, but just a little, just a little. <laughs> so um, I think that uh, there, there's a few points in this. So, so with Ted seemingly having made this up, the first thing he does is call a meeting with the Diamond Dogs. And the best thing about the meeting with the Diamond Dogs is Roy Kent's reaction to the meeting with the Diamond Dogs. <laughs> he, Ted says, let's let's get this meeting of the Diamond Dogs together. And Roy goes, oh, for fuck's sake, and storms out and goes into his old office where he's not interested again. But he, he also clearly can hear everything that's happening. And so he's he's invested in it. He just won't let anyone know. <laughs> In typical Roy Kemp fashion, I think he is developing and he is becoming softer, but he doesn't want anyone to think that he is becoming softer. So um, they're showing that well. But the Diamond Dogs basically tell Ted that he's jumped the gun. No one's actually said that they're proposing, but Ted is convincing himself. And and I think to an extent, some of them that this is going to happen because he was like, uh, he also gets Rebecca involved, but he asks questions like, uh, if you wanted to be proposed to, where would you want to do it? And they're like, oh, Paris. And um, when he talks to Rebecca later, he's like, oh, where where did Rupert propose to you? And she says, well, that's not important right now because it was Paris. Um, so I kind of understand why why this is in Ted's head. I do feel like we are flitting around quite a lot with Ted's emotion with Michelle. And I understand that it's a complex thing letting your... Um, Ex, ex-wife go and, and the mother of your child go. But I, I feel like there's a lot of flip-flopping between I am okay with this, I'm not okay with this, now I'm okay with this, now I hate the guy and I'm not okay with it again. I can't tell whether it's about Henry and his relationship with Dr. Jacob and not wanting to be replaced as a dad or not wanting to be replaced as a husband for Michelle. That's what I struggled with with this this conversation. I can see it being more the Henry situation. I think Ted has accepted what's going on with Michelle. It doesn't mean he's it's over. He's over it, but he he has accepted the circumstance as it is. I don't know that he has though, because if you if you look so cutting all the way to the last shot of the episode, it's Henry. Michelle and Dr. Jacob getting in a taxi to go back to the airport. And I think if it was about Henry, they would have cut to seeing Henry climb into the taxi and turn around and see Ted waving from the window, where actually it was Michelle who we get that really long shot of them two looking at each other from across the town square as she gets into the taxi and drives away. And I know that that a bit of it is kind of relief and spoiler alert that Dr. Jacob didn't propose, but... I think that um, quite a lot of it was about affection for Michelle rather than Henry himself. They have set up something where uh, clearly Michelle might still have feelings because um, if we go all the way back to, I think, episode three, after Ted comes to terms with his feelings about Jacob being around, he mm-hmm. uh, he has this moment with Michelle says, hey, we're going to be grandparents together just because we're not married doesn't mean any future kids of Henry's aren't going to be ours as grandparents. And yeah. uh, at the end of that episode, it cuts to Michelle with this vague smile on her face. And we don't know if that's like her having a weird emotional reaction to Ted, where she's like, this is the, this is the man I wanted him to be. And instead of this, like just hopeful 
we're going to get through it and not actually yeah. deal with our problems kind of guy. Um, so I, I, I think there, there is clearly breadcrumbs being laid out that will lead to Ted and Michelle, maybe trying to get back together by the end of the season. Maybe it won't be definitive because as we discussed earlier, maybe there will be a fourth season that they have to kind of balance that out. Because if you just get them back together at the end of the season, you're kind of removing any potential drama from from that relationship potentially i think the other thing that was important in this episode uh, this this story and i think i feel like the way that we told it maybe jumped around quite a lot this is entirely my fault for my lack of notes on this story oh you're not alone on that one (laughs) yeah i don't think it needed it and i think that the the long and short of it is ted was not happy with the thought that that michelle would be engaged um specifically to dr jacob or otherwise um Mm. and he has henry to look after and as a part of henry looking after there was a really good scene where um coach beard and ted why coach beard is there i have no idea but i enjoyed it nonetheless um cooking in breakfast and saying what do you want to do today let's go to a museum we can see the sights we can go to the london eye we can do this that and the other and he says i want to I want to go and see a football match. And um, the only football match on home, at home in London that day, happens to be Nathan Shelley's West Ham at home. And um, Ted manages to get very good seats, very close to the dugout. And uh, they wave at Nate (laughs) on the touchline and he looks angry about it. And that was really it for that that bit which I, I i thought was quite strange i thought they because they showed that a lot in the trailers and i thought they were going to make quite a big thing of ted going to support nate in his new role but actually it was about henry wanting to go and see a match and it just happened to be the match that was on that day yeah and i thought i liked it and i took nate's look more as like confusion as in like seeing henry he obviously has a good relationship with henry he has no malice he feels no malice towards henry and we see that later in nate's storyline when rupert texts him which we'll get into um but i i i like that moment a lot because again i'm i like this storyline that we're doing with nate but i think uh as we've been discussing in the discord channel it could have been done a little bit better with what we see now we're not Mm. quite seeing that through line that really kind of meshes well with the Nate we saw at the end of season two. Yeah. I think we, we can get onto Nate a little bit more in, in Nate's storyline, but I think there's definitely a discussion there. But um what I'll move on to for Ted is he asks Rebecca to hire a private investigator and we never actually hear the results because Rebecca agrees to do so, but we never hear the results of the private investigator because uh, Michelle comes back with Dr. Jacob but Ted lets it go, and there's a really lovely scene where Beard, Henry, and Ted are uh, at a pub after the match, and there's a busker outside singing Hey Jude, and Ted's on the phone to Rebecca saying, I really need to know, and Rebecca says, just just let it go. You, your son's here. Spend time with him. Enjoy yourself, and go and sing Hey Jude. And I think that this, that shot and that scene with Beard henry and ted singing hey jude i had no idea that hey jude was about a child going through divorce oh neither um, did i his his parents but i just think that that was so lovely and well done um 
that I'd like to go back to episode one of Talking Lasso and retract everything I said about how much I didn't enjoy Henry's performance because I thought he was great this whole episode. He was really good, yeah. So, yeah, I'm a changed man. I'm I'm very pro Henry now. <laughs> Is there anything else that's worth adding to Ted's story here? Or um, yeah, he he really didn't. Inter- it was really just him, Beard, and Henry. Like he had the one interaction, two interactions with Rebecca. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, it was a pretty contained story, like even him with the team. Uh, the only other thing I would say with Ted's storyline is maybe mentioning that Trent Krim was inducted into the Diamond Dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm enjoying Trent Krim's involvement more with the club rather than being a fly on the wall. Every single time we see him, he seems to be more and more important to Richmond, mm-hmm. um, which I think if he's an author writing a book about Richmond surely is a bit of a conflict of interests. Yeah. I feel like, uh, you know, when you watch nature documentaries and they're like, oh, the, the cameraman can't get involved and they have to let nature take its course. And I feel like you have to let nature take its course in if you are going to produce a book about about a, a, a football team or, or a team in general. Yeah, I mean, he's morally compromised anyway because he has like some kind of working relationship with Ted. So, True. Uh, I mean, it's just... It's a a piece that he has a vision for, and hopefully his writing integrity does not interfere with his uh, emotional attachments. Well, I mean, I I guess I'm saying it from a very real-world perspective, but Mm -hmm. actually, um, I just enjoy Trent Trent Krim. I think he's a great character, and I'm enjoying him getting involved more. I would love it. If one of the final pieces of if this does end up being the last season, if one of the final pieces of merchandising would be Trent Krim's book being released for fans to buy. <laughs> that would be very good because they, they used to do that for the uh, the TV show uh, Castle starring Nathan Fillion. Uh, they yeah. they would have they had a ghostwriter write the uh, Derek's or not Nikki Heat novels that Castle was writing in in each season. Right. So. We've covered Ted. I think because we've been speaking about him so much, let's talk about Nate now. Um, yeah, I had it down in our running order, order that Keeley would be next, but I think Keeley's is far more important. So let's talk yeah. about Nate. Um, lead the way, Josh. Where are we with Nate's story? Uh, so Nate wakes up in bed next to Jade, and uh, he pulls the uh, brand new romantic comedy trope of I woke up early and brushed my teeth so that my breath doesn't stink and we can make good impressions. And Jade's like, you're adorable. My breath stinks. Smell it. (laughs) Jade's quite real, isn't she? Yeah, she she gives no fucks and she does not mess around. (laughs) And then Nate even like reveals that he went to the bathroom in his neighbor's flat because he was too embarrassed to like maybe wake her up if he had to go for too long. And then Jade just like lays a, a good smooch on him and just starts going to the bathroom. And it's like, all right, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he drops the whole, what are we line? Yeah. Uh, I think the whole thing with Nate's stories, he's trying to get a label for himself and trying to understand where he is. Um, and I think we're also seeing in this story, exactly what you predicted of Nate wanting a Richmond environment at, his new club and we see that with his oh what does he call them he, he tries to do the diamond uh, dogs it's the love hounds the love hounds yeah um with west ham's version of higgins who has no idea what's going on He's and the assistant manager <laughs> the assistant manager who who 
also doesn't want anything to do with it. So um, Nate calls the first and last <laughs> meeting of the Love Hounds. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, the only thing that happens really in this one is apparently he also invited Rupert, which Rupert had no interest in in being there for it, which he from what I from what I remember, uh, Nate just said it was a special meeting. They, he didn't say that it was going to be just like superfluous. Let's have a, a moment to just be real with each other kind of thing. But um, I think what we're seeing with Rupert is is another um, example of manipulation in that he was very present, very there all the time for Nate um, at the start of the season. And then as it's gone on and on and on, he's becoming really distant and making Nate depend on him more and more. Mm-hmm. Um which is is key behavior in manipulation. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that this season is kind of missing. Like, I get that it's Ted Lasso, but it has built out into this ensemble where I think we needed to see more of Nate's relationship with Rupert being corrupted. Like, we obviously mm. know as viewers that Nate's being manipulated, but Nate doesn't know it because yeah. usually the victim of manipulation never knows it until it's too late. And I think we needed to see more of that. I think we'll have a, an episode that centers around the blow up, certainly, um, because being real, that's what they're setting up for here. Yeah, honestly, I, I would not hate it if we got. Um, uh, oh, what was the the Last of Us DLC episode? Um, oh, left the, behind the mall one. Yeah, yeah, the, the I think it's called Left Behind. But yeah, it's the one where um, uh, Ellie goes to the mall with her friend. And uh, it kind of just takes place over the course of a day. Like, I wouldn't mind if we got one of those episodes where it flashes back to the start of the season and mm. we see Nate at certain points in the season where he Rupert just kind of starts treating him a little differently. Like we had at the moment where he gave him the car and yeah. he set him up with Anastasia. And then let's go from there. Like, let's see what has happened from there. That's made Rupert so distant and cold to him all of a sudden. Yeah, I like the idea. Um, but I, I think that we could get something like that. I think we'll certainly get um, the the climax of Rupert is an asshole again, because we've had one of them in each each of the seasons so far. So why, why break a trope now? Yeah, so with Nate, uh, he has his match where Ted and Henry and Beard show up. And uh, uh, after the match, Rupert texts Nate and says, hey, sorry about Ted. It won't happen again. And Nate, initially, his gut reaction to respond is, oh, I thought it was funny. And he immediately deletes it because he knows that's not what Rupert wants to hear. And he says, good. He has a regular breakfast date with Jade at some point uh, in in these interceding scenes. And then his his arc just kind of ends with him and Jade. Uh, acknowledging that they're boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. So let's have a quick chat about about Nate. Um, and the point that Matt made in the Talking Smack Discord, um, you should join that and talk to us about Ted Lasso. If you're here, you clearly love it. So um, join in the conversation there. Let us know what you think. Um, but Matt thinks that uh, and I'll read it word for word. It's really neat that we spent so much time to pay off a heel turn for Nate so that we can still be focusing on him being nervous about his crush in episode 7 of 12 of the, open brackets, presumably final season. And then uh, he's clarified, it's not neat, it's baffling, and I don't understand why we're doing it. Um, I don't mind it. I think we're still seeing the Nate that we know from season 1. 
Yeah, um, and I, I I don't hate it either. Like I jokingly uh, combated Matt in some of these these lines, but I do think that having a little bit more shown, not mm. or I, maybe a little bit more told, not shown with. Nate and Rupert, which again, maybe, maybe there is something coming up where we're going to get like the, the, what would it be? The penultimate episode is going to be this like rewind of Nate becoming the Nate of old or like a, a Nate 2.0 and not Nate, the dick that left the team. <laughs> um, I, I, I just, I, I understand the criticism for it because it's not entirely consistent, but the, the heel turn also doesn't make complete sense if he's, just 100% an asshole because he doesn't know how to be an asshole. Yeah. He's just hurt. And that's, that's the point. Yeah. I think that's fair. I, I, I see Matt's point. I I do understand because we left season two and it was when he destroyed the believe sign and stormed out when they'd been promoted. And it was very clear that Nate was going to be the bad guy when he rocked up at West Ham because they're another London club. There'll be rivals in some form and Rupert is involved. But I think my point was Nate from season one and even the start of season two really was the Nate that we're seeing now. Um, And people don't change (laughs) entirely over such a short period of time. I think that it's okay that we have nice Nate, not just asshole Nate. Yeah. We we haven't really seen asshole Nate all season apart from episode one. Mm Mm-hmm. Which and I, I that's an, that's another thing I thought we were going to be getting in this season was kind of the two sides of the same coin kind of thing where you've got Ted doing the lasso way and Nate doing his version of it, where yeah. because he's not openly encouraging his players, he's treating them the way he treated Colin in season two, um, that we would see kind of like a falling out with the team just being like, we're not playing for this guy that he treats us like yeah. shit. We've seen surprisingly little of that, of him at West Ham, to be honest with you. We've seen bits of him in his office, but there's been one scene where he was interacting with the team and that was it. Yeah. And like the, the match against Richmond where they ended up winning, um, we only saw that the team respects his ability to call plays and they understand his hand signals that he throws out there. But yeah, yeah, there's there's not anything that really shows us the kind of manager he is other than the insinuation that like, oh, the team's doing really well. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. OK, I'm happy to move on from Nate if you are. I am very pleased to move on from Nate. <laughs> OK, cool. Um, so let's move on to Keeley. I think the 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 meat of this episode, the real core storyline and this kind of ties in a little bit with the team. But let's let's keep that as um another story a little bit later on i will do my best so first scene we get with keely is besides sorry seeing her in the crowd when richmond have their upturning form the first scene that we get is keely and jack lying in bed together um clearly just kind of enjoying each other's company clearly just not a care in the world and then all of a sudden keely's phone blows up and she's getting all these messages and they check it, and it turns out that um, a video that Keeley had made of herself uh, for an ex-partner had been leaked online. Um, Jack describes it later on as a porno, which I'm not sure I would agree with, but an explicit video of Keeley has been leaked to the press. And that's kind of 
that is the basis of of this whole story. So, um, Josh, I don't uh, mind if you want to pick this up here. There, there is one setup piece you missed, which is Jack was initially bringing Keely to uh, a polo match. Yes, she she had invited Keely, uh, and Keely's like, "Oh, I don't know how to ride a horse," and um, <laughs> they're like, "Oh no, we're just we're just there." Jack's like, "We're just there to watch," and uh, you get to wear fun clothes, and Keely's like, "Oh great, I need a, I need a reason to go shopping," so she's that's when she starts hearing her phone ding, and that's when the shoe drops. Uh, and it, we we find out that this is uh, a massive leak. Uh, Jack is going to start going into damage control, try to find out if she can get the video taken offline, see what they can do to help retain Keeley's uh, reputation as far as like a business person. Well, what what she says is, I'll take care of it. And yes. the implication definitely is, I'll get rid of the video. The video won't be online anymore. Um, that's how Keeley took it. And I think that's how all of the audience would have taken it as well. Jack clearly invests in NFTs. <laughs> yes. And she described herself as get away with murder rich earlier um, in the episode. There was a line, I think it was in the last episode rather than this one, where Keely, yeah, it was in the last episode. Keely questioned how rich she was. Mm-hmm. And she said, think about jeffrey epstein's friends rich which i thought was a fucking wild throwaway line yeah that one fell really awkwardly flat for me i'm like ooh, <laughs> it's not what you want to think about when you're watching ted lasso no not at all that that was that was definitely a an intern threw out a, a joke and they're like eh, let's see if it lands <laughs> uh it did not but we get to keely in her office and barbara comes in with um, a piece of paper from Jack. Um, I think still expecting Jack to have been able to work miracles and wipe something from the internet here, but it turns out that it's just a statement professing Keeley's uh, regret and uh, sincere apology for for the video itself. Um, and this this hurts Keeley. This really hurts Keeley. Yeah, and it, it shows a lack of empathy from jack like we we understand that she's jealous or she is the jealous type um but this this really felt like a really strong bad turn for her like obviously last week we were setting up the breakup i didn't think it would happen this week uh spoiler alert it is this week um or maybe it isn't we don't know maybe they were on a break (laughs) um but uh Jack sends this really strongly worded letter that's basically like trying to convey like Christian values kind of apology of like, oh, I'm ashamed that this happened. I'm ashamed I ever made the video. It's embarrassing that it ever got out. And I I feel like a, a modern business person, an apology shouldn't have to happen in this situation, which I feel like should have been a very obvious thing because uh Keely didn't leak this video intentionally. It, it was a private video that was just hijacked from the internet. And it, it, it just, it's one of those things where if Jack took, had even like a normal amount of empathy and wasn't just thinking of like herself or how embarrassing it is for her to be seen with Keely after this, it would, she, she literally would just have to say, Hey, this sucks that this came out. Please just 
don't watch the video if you feel like you actually have a soul. Yeah, I think that's fair. Or she could have just said to Keely, this sucks. It's going to be embarrassing. I understand that. Let's go out and do something and take your mind off it, which she kind of does, but she does it in a way that is like reinforcing that embarrassment. Um, yeah, she never acknowledges the fact that it sucks for Keely that this private video is made public. It's just the fact that Jack is kind of hiding her own embarrassment now, but she still mm. kind of wants to be with Keely. So she's trying to find a balance, but it's never in a healthy way. Well, so, so the way that, that she um, tries to take her mind off it, Keely goes out and buys an outfit for the, the polo gala match tournament, whatever, whatever you call a polo gala. I'm not posh enough to know. Um, I call it a my fair lady event. My, yeah, okay, the My Fair Lady event. And the My Fair Lady outfit that she's wearing um, is, well, it's it's something. Um, but <laughs> Jack basically says, um, oh, I cancelled that because I thought you would be embarrassed. I thought you wouldn't want to go and really lays it thick that this is, she's done that for her, but it's quite clear that she's done it for herself. Yeah, she said something to the effect of like, I didn't think you'd want the press to be pressing you on all this and asking yeah. questions and keely kind of takes it in stride and she's like oh yeah i guess that makes sense yeah so they go and play mini golf instead um and they seem to be having a really good time until uh someone that jack knows recognizes her and they go over and have a chat and jack introduces keely as uh her friend keely which is a real u-turn on the announcing their relationship in the office and a real u-turn on everything that we've seen before this where jack is love bombing keely um because this is jack's world so it's it's like a, a level of um embarrassment or denial from jack that that keely and her are actually in a relationship yeah and keely clocks it right away she she knows that jack is now no longer all in or at least she's no longer in as invested as she was because her new hot girlfriend is now kind of an embarrassment within her, her would be considered an embarrassment within her circle. Even though, yeah. again, if you're, if you're an empathetic person and especially as being a, a billionaire, presumably you would think that they would have some kind of respect for like, Oh, these dang hackers always breaking into our stuff and putting our private information online yeah my buddy lonnie had his airplane private plane <laughs> information put on twitter every day and he just ended up buying twitter you make a make a joke about it but <laughs> that was good you should be a writer josh thanks <laughs> <laughs> um so i think that uh there's another thing that i keep doing in um in this season uh sorry this season in these episodes and that's praising actors who can act with their face and act without saying a word and juno temple who plays keely once again in this scene you can really read how much it hurts that she's referred to her as her friend rather than her partner or her girlfriend or whatever um i think i think the thing that was really interesting about keely's story is we get a couple of reactions so we get uh rebecca's reaction which is sort of like what you would think jack should have done and said fuck it it's mm -hmm. annoying but um it's out there and you have nothing to be ashamed about you have roy kent's reaction 
which is, I'm really sorry to hear that. Um, and it seemed like a really good reaction. But then he turns around and says, who was the video for? And that kind mm. of just bad, bad question. Yeah, that that's a moment where they needed to create a little bit of conflict between Rory and Keeley, or maybe they wanted yeah. a reason for Roy to screw up just so he's not the one going to comfort her at some point because yeah. that's the only reason he would ask that question is because a writer needed him to not be there to comfort her um because it, it's quite clear in the video they show a, a, a bit of it before it got explicit where she says something like you're away at newcastle this weekend and i wanted to let you know that i was thinking of you um so obviously it's for a footballer um, because of the the wording of what she said, but so you have Roy's reaction of that. You have Jack's reaction, which is like very self preservation um, and selfish and very cold as well. And then you get the best reaction and the reaction that Keely wanted the whole time from Jamie, who it turns out the video actually was too um, at the end of the episode and uh, not the end of the episode, sorry, the end of this story. Um, I really think that this this whole story was handled really, really well. And I think that um, having the display of different reactions towards Keeley is quite reflective of what you would imagine would happen in real life if this happened to someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially given relationship statuses and everything, because uh, while Jack's reaction is infuriating, especially for someone who is probably used to having their private life invaded, it yeah. it really didn't make a whole lot of sense to me because the the lack of empathy from her just it it kind of infuriated me even though while watching it I was like oh this is what they're going to use to break them up it, it's going to be one of the straws that breaks the camel's back but instead it was the entire straw that broke the camel's back <laughs> well you've you've used the word infuriating quite a lot this episode josh um including your main descriptor of the episode it's a long <laughs> long throw away from where we were last week where you gave this mm -hmm. a nine and the episode a nine and a half out of ten yeah I, I wouldn't quite say it's a filler episode because there is a lot of plot development that goes on but it is like i said at the beginning of the episode we're, we're putting the pieces in place to push towards the finale yeah yeah, definitely. Um, so the other the other key thing that happens here, as as we've said a few times, is uh, Keely pushes back on Jack and her approach of having this statement. She says, "I'm not going to apologize. I shouldn't have to apologize, so I won't." Um, Jack asks her, "Is there more videos like this out there?" Which once again is the worst question. Um, because Keeley said in this episode that there's topless photos of her online anyway, but this was just a private video, which is why it hurt her so much that it got leaked. Um, Jack, uh, when when Keeley says that she's not going to apologize, Jack um, essentially storms out, says, "I'm I'm leaving," and Keeley says, "Are you going to come back?" And she says, "I don't know." Um, and then you get Roy, uh, Roy. Jamie, mini Roy, coming to um, <laughs> Keeley's house and apologizing because he makes quite a big thing. And we'll get into that in the team section, but he makes a big thing of making sure any photos of him that are explicit in any way are deleted from everything so that they can't be tracked uh, or, or leaked. And he says, I forgot about email. I forgot to delete the email. So the leak has come from 
Jamie's email um, because his password was so secure that it was password. <laughs> but don't worry, he threw them off by having two S's, <laughs> which was a really good joke. Um, I like that one, yeah. But but yeah, it's come from Jamie. And Keely isn't angry. She's not um, mad at Jamie at all for this. Um, and I think that Jamie's clear, obvious um, regret for what has happened could go back to our episode one prediction and, and have Jamie and Keeley have a, a thing together. I, when you said that on a break, I was going to say, does that make Jamie the copy girl? But I don't know how much <laughs> you, you enjoy friends. So, um, yeah. I, I get the reference. Okay, good. <laughs> um, see, I, I took that a different way. I, I took that as them solidifying them being the writers uh, solidifying that Jamie is absolutely okay with just being a friend to Keely because of the, mm-hmm. the way he's talking to her and the hug to like solidify that there's nothing to forgive. Um, just cause uh, when Jamie's talking about how he was processing through Roy and Keely's relationship, he ends on talking about how once he realized that it was real, that's when he started deleting everything from Keely. Right. Like he had kept some yeah. stuff because he he still held a flame for her. But once he saw how much they really cared for each other and loved each other, that's when he was like, uh, all right, I'm I'm not going to be the one to mess this up. Fair enough. I think a good observation that I didn't pick up on. Definitely the biggest and I would say best story in this episode. Juno Temple did a great job um, as, again, Phil, Phil Dunster, who plays Jamie. Once again, excellent job. Yeah, there, there are going to be lots of Emmy categories with multiple Ted Lasso nominations. <laughs> uh, well, I hope so. Um, and then this brings us on to our final and very short um, story. And this is about another the infuriating team one for me. Oh, really? I really not, not for the this not one. for the not for the same reasons. It's, it's just because of where this story kind of ends. And I'm okay. like, stop teasing me with it. <laughs> well, Josh lead the way tell us about the, the team so the uh the team finds out about what is it called the great annuity the great uh, awakening uh, awakening the great awakening <laughs> and they they immediately start kind of looking at stuff but isaac being the good captain that he is says hey guys don't these are celebrities these are people who had their stuff private or in, invaded and or their private documents taken from them hacked and yeah. uh just this is why you need to delete everything and that leads to a big disagreement again from the team where differing viewpoints are like why should i delete anything it's mine and sam even chimes in and says hey it's just because it's it's sent to you does not mean it's yours like you you can enjoy it but it should go away after so long and Mm -hmm. uh jamie chimes in shares his thing his opinion on it and uh i believe it's van damme and colin are both kind of like really abstinent about or obstinate not abstinent obstinate yeah. about deleting their quote-unquote private property far from abstinent let's be real very far from abstinent josh um, yes yeah <laughs> they got to change the vowels on those two words they're too close together van damme is coming across a bit like a sex pest in this uh this season with between this and the, the amsterdam the episode. sex show yeah 
the sex show. Um, but they basically come to a consensus that they're going to delete all of the explicit photos they've had sent to them. There was a really funny bit in this where um, they were trying to justify, or different players were trying to justify why they would keep it. So they were like, what if it's artsy? And they go, what defines artsy? And he's like, it's black and white and you can't see a head. Delete it. What if it's French like I am? Delete it. And they went through all of these ridiculous <laughs> scenarios that just got more and more ludicrous. I thought that was really good. I actually think the the best jokes in this this episode landed in this very short mm-hmm. story. Yeah, I, I think um, Richard was the one that ha- he got the biggest laugh for me because I, I think uh, he I think his line was actually like, "What if I'm French?" They're like, yeah. "I am French, therefore I should be able to keep these things." Because the French are just openly sex pests. Um, Josh's words, not mine. I'm much closer to them than than you are, um, Josh. So I got the French Canadians to deal with. Don't worry. Yeah, but they're harmless. They're Canadian. They'll they'll, they'll, they'll apologize to you. Um, I uh, <laughs> I really like the joke at the start before all the stuff about the the leaked photos where. Colin turns to Jamie and says, have you got any links I can use, which is Axe, where you're from, Josh. Um, And Jamie busts open the cupboard and he's like, do you want this one, this one, this one, this? And he's got all the different scents of links. Um, And the last one is cookies and leather. And he says, oh, I love that one. And he goes, smart scent for a smart boy. And he throws the can at him. (laughs) So throwaway, but really good. I, I like that one a lot. I didn't catch that Lynx was Axe of the UK or something. Yeah, but uh, I think it's I the mean, same the, company. Yeah, the context is there, so yeah. I, we um, we understood it as as well as far as the joke went. Good, good. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, the 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 thing is, so everyone agrees to delete the photos, and they all end up sitting there deleting all of the photos, but for obvious reasons that we've covered on this podcast colin is not comfortable deleting the photos that have been sent to him so he leaves the changing room and he goes and sits on a sofa in a hall i don't think colin knows where a private place is but he sits (laughs) on in on a sofa in a corridor um and starts to delete the photos and isaac um comes along and I, i'm assuming this is where your source of frustration is with this yeah this story, isaac se- isaac sees him leave and he colin clearly has like a, a weird look on his face like he doesn't want to do this so isaac follows him out and he's like i told you delete this uh delete these things he's like i am i will and colin like rips the phone out of his hands and sees that oh there's nude men on on this phone screen that i'm now looking at uh takes a minute looks back at Colin, hands him back his phone, takes a, a moment to compose himself and just kind of walks away. And I was like, okay, we're coming back to it. This this whole season has been about coming back to things. And no, this is where I got frustrated because I'm like, stop teasing me with these moments that are going to be so good. I want yeah. it now. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a really good moment in itself, though. I think um, Isaac and once again, face acting, um, you could tell he was processing a lot when he saw that. Um, and I think Colin as well. Uh, I can't Oh, the worry on his was. face. Yeah. Well, it the, was worry. And I think there was a little bit of relief sprinkled in there as well. Every time mm-hmm. someone finds out, I think Colin's a bit more relieved. Yeah. Cause someone um, else knows, but he doesn't know how Isaac's truly going to react. So mm-hmm. like may either 
one way or another, something is going to happen that is going to kind of benefit Colin's life. He's either going to be out of football and he's going to be able to just be an openly gay man or he's going to have an ally within the team. Well, I I hope uh, I hope and I think I don't know. We've made poor predictions on this podcast before. I hope it goes the the good way that Isaac is is pleased because Isaac is a good boy. He wouldn't he wouldn't disappoint us. I've I've enjoyed Isaac a lot, and if I have to not like Isaac because of bigoted views, I'll be very disappointed. Yeah, that, that feels like a turn too far for him. I could see him, I could see him having a conversation with Colin where he's like, "It's weird for me. It's probably going to be weird for us, but you're part of the team. You're 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 part of our family. You're gonna we're gonna do this together." Yeah, I could see that. I can see that. That sounds good. Um, and that's kind of it, Josh. Like I said, a carrier episode where we move some stories along. Um, let's talk about how you felt about it. Give me a give me a score out of 10 for this episode. I think I would give it a 7 out of 10. Um, the Keeley episode or the Keeley storyline really carries it. Um, I do think the end of the Henry storyline is really good. Um, the 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 Nate storyline is cute. I don't think it really adds too much to the the story overall. And then the team story, while unfinished, is really compelling. So I, I think I'd give it a seven out of ten. I think I agree. I maybe stretched to a seven and a half. I I enjoyed this episode. I don't feel like there was that much to talk about. But once again, we've nearly filled an hour. Um, Same thing with this show. Like you, we we just broke it down in a way that we talked way more about what's happening in the scenes, talking about subtext and everything. And yet this episode went fifty five minutes. <laughs> um but i feel like the team's story and i'm quote unquoting story there purely is that that scene with colin and isaac um that they're they're really gonna set up for the next few episodes and i hope i hope we get more of it very immediately rather than having to wait two three episodes for that um yeah so yeah seven seven out of ten i'm i'm happy to go along with um josh i have a quiz for you all right. Um, I have a quiz, and uh, I have in the past not done quizzes because I'm too lazy to write them. I have in the past <laughs> Googled football quiz. This time I went and found a quiz that uh, someone delivered to the cast of Ted Lasso to see how much they knew about football terms and stole that word for word. So <laughs> effort levels are through the roof here. So All I'm going right. to give you um, some terminology from football. There are bumper seven questions here, Josh. Um, so okay. we'll rattle through them quickly. I'll give you some terminology. I just want you to tell me exactly what it means, okay? Got it. So question one, clean sheet. Um, no penalties in a match. Unfortunately, there's no goals. So a goalkeeper will keep a clean sheet. It means you haven't been scored against. Um, if someone was to dummy, what would that mean? Um, I'm going to say screen the goalie. Unfortunately, a dummy is where a ball is passed to you, pretend to take it, but it's actually being delivered to a player that's behind you. So it's a, okay. it's a fa fake pass, basically. Uh, nutmeg. A seasoning. <laughs> Whilst that is correct, do you have a, an answer for the world of football or soccer? Um when a goalie saves a, a shot with his crotch 
you're very close with the crotch. It's actually when you pass the ball between a player's, your opposition's legs, it is a nutmeg. This is a hard one. Um, what is a pea roller? <laughs> when the goalie stops the ball with his nuts. Um, I'm going to say a, a penalty shot that never leaves the ground. Uh, I am going to give you that one. It's a weak shot. It's not a penalty, but it's just a weak shot is a P-roller. Um, so if I said Rosie. That's the nosebleed sections in the stadium? Absolutely correct. So if you kick it into Rosie, it means that you've shot well above the goal. Uh, the treble. Uh, crowd singing. Uh, I... I see where you're coming from it's actually if you won three trophies in a season it would be a treble um okay and finally uh who are the hammers would that be west ham that would be west ham congratulations that's three out of seven um you scored the same as um his name is escaping me nick mohammed who plays nate shelley yes um yeah I found out today that he hates football. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, um, speaking of Ted Lasso quizzes, I just saw a tweet, I think yesterday morning, someone won a a Ted Lasso trivia contest. Uh, I think they're using Kahoot. And uh, so this person won first place, Jason won second, and then there was a third place winner. And as they were calling up the winners, the Jason who won second place was Jason Sudeikis. Very good. This is like the story of I can't remember who it is, but a celebrity entered a celebrity lookalike competition. No, it wasn't Charlie Chaplin. It's someone. It might be Charlie Chaplin, and they came third in their own lookalike competition. Mm -hmm. Yep, Um, Charlie Chaplin. Okay, fair enough. You've got me schooled there. Um, Very (laughs) good. So I have a story for you. It's not a mad story, but it's it's a couple of things from a player I really like, who is the captain of Aston Villa, John McGinn. Um, And what you need to know about John McGinn is he is a player and people describe him as playing with his arse because he has an enormous bum. And the way that he (laughs) uses it is he backs into players and basically pushes them off the ball using his arse, therefore not getting a foul. Um, So there's two stories. There's one about his time in Scotland, a club called St. Mirren, and the reason he left St. Mirren. And then there's another story about... uh, a game he had for Aston Villa during COVID that you could hear what was said on the microphones on the TV. So St. Mirren, the captain at the time was a man called Stephen Thompson. um, And they were running training drills. And one of the training drills was to dribble the ball around a post. Stephen Thompson was in front of John McGinn. Stephen Thompson hit the post with the ball, therefore failing the drill. As a joke, because he thought it was funny, he thought he'd pick the pole up and throw it at John McGinn, who was 21 at the time. What he actually did was threw it like a spear, and the pole impaled John McGinn's leg seven and a half <laughs> centimetres in. Um, he was told by a doctor that if it was a centimetre further, it would have torn an artery and he would have bled out. Um, but it upset him so much. This and and Stephen Taylor uh, Thompson, sorry, describes it as a prank. Um, it upset him so much that it was one of the main factors of him leaving St. Mirren. 
um, which I think is f- fair enough, really. Um, yeah. The story in the Premier League. So when when football came back during COVID, they had this weird thing where they played without crowds. And mm-hmm. one thing that you got that um, that that you'd never had before, they left all the microphones around the stadium. So normally you get loads of fan noise on the, the TV coverage. But in this, you could hear the players shouting at each other. It sounded like a training match because there was no crowd noise. And in a game at Villa Park, Villa versus Burnley, John McGinn went in on a late challenge on a Burnley player. Um, and the manager of Burnley at the time, Sean Dyche, was very annoyed about this and was was mouthing on the side of the pitch. And you could hear it all on, on TV. Sean Dyche is a very distinct voice. It's very gravelly, so you could tell it was him as well. Then John McGinn can audibly hear telling him to shut up, um, <laughs> and Sean Dyche can audibly heard be saying, "You spent one season back in the Premier League, and you think you're big time." And then John McGinn immediately replies with, "You spent six seasons in the Premier League, and you still wear the same shit coat, you prick." <laughs> <laughs> And all of that was caught on the Sky Sports broadcast. Um, nice. It's very good. Yeah, John McGinn's great. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, Next week's episode, uh, just because I'm looking at it right now, um, it is called La Locker Room Au Follet, or La Locker Room Au Follet, okay, um, which translates to The Crazy Locker Room. Uh, the episode description is pretty simple. It's Colin and Isaac's friendship is tested, Roy is asked to do a press conference. Wow, looking forward to that. Although that points to bad, bad Isaac. Well, I think it's going to be a conflicted Isaac. Like he, I, I hope it's not homophobic more than it's just like him being. I don't know. We'll see. We'll we'll see what's going on. <laughs> we'll but, talk about that next week. Yep. So let let's get on out of here. And give our socials. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Josh underscore Scar. You can obviously follow the podcast and Talking Lasso at Talking Smack Pod. We're also on Instagram. We are on Facebook, Hive Social, and Post News, as well as Discord. And Joey, where can everyone find you? You can simply find me on the Talking Smack Discord. That's where you'll find me. If you want to follow anything else, uh, my other podcast, Game Club Pod, um, is exactly that on Twitter and Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. Game Club Pod. Good fun. And if you're enjoying Talking Lasso, if you're enjoying Ted Lasso, feel free to send us an email at tsmackpod at gmail.com and make sure the subject line says either Talking Lasso or Ted Lasso in all caps. Otherwise, I'm not going to see it between all the spam mail that I get from all the the (laughs) providers that I have dumped and moved on from. Nice. And in the immortal words of Ted Lasso quoting Walt Whitman, Be curious. Not judgmental. Now scram. Whistle. Whistle. Scram. Whistle. Whistle.